to the Carrero Podcast. Before we get started, we would wish to inform our listeners Carrero is supported by edX Global, an international nonprofit where we work with K 12 students as they work with their local and global communities providing service learning activities. In 2022, we are asking for your support to raise $20,000 to assist our students in their activities in creating gardens for schools and communities, purchasing and delivering blankets for the homeless, providing curriculum for teachers across the world purchasing backpacks and filling them with educational items for students in need, and collecting and delivering food and toiletry items for local homeless organizations. You can donate with Venmo using at edx-global, or you can use our website at edxglobal.org and donate. We appreciate your support. Thank you. Today our guest is Peter Schultz. Peter is a junior at Indiana University, majoring in supply chain, sustainable business, and international business, a member of the Indiana football team, and a member of Alpha Kappa Psi business fraternity. He is most recently known for selling out the Bloomington Comedy Attic. He is the lightest offensive lineman in the Power Five. Hi, Peter. Thanks so much for joining us today. In your bio, you shared that you're the lightest offensive lineman in the Power Five, which is quite a distinct honor. For those of us who don't know what that means, can you explain that? Yeah, so, and I'm also going to compete. I'm just guessing at that because I'm just so much lighter than everyone else. I didn't, like, go through all the rosters, but I think it's a pretty safe guess. Um, but uh, I'm about 250 pounds, and uh, I would say the average weight in the Power 5 for an offensive line is about 300. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's pretty rare for some of my size to, to get this far. So uh, I guess I take a lot of pride in that and... Um, just, uh, you know, I get, I get made fun of sometimes. Um, <laughs> I, sometimes people call me Rudy, and I really hate that. <laughs> um, Rudy wasn't really good. Like, Rudy, like, people watch Rudy, and they're, like, feel bad for him. And I'm just like, that sucks. Um, <laughs> you know, like. Yeah. Well, and, and, and plus, he was, he was from that other Indiana school, so we don't, you know, we don't really talk about that one. Well, that's one thing is, too. Rudy was the first one in his family to get to go to college and get into Notre Dame. And, you know, on the contrary, I was one of the first in my family to get denied from Notre Dame. So we're not really comparable in that aspect either. Mm. <laughs> um, Peter, and, and I, I think it's, you know, just reading through your bio, it's, you know, some of the things that I didn't know. And so maybe that's one of the reasons why it's also a badge of honor is that you were, you were sharing that when you were young, you were going through some health, health problems. And so can you, can you talk about that life, life growing up and you're from Franklin, Michigan? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Just outside Detroit. Okay. Uh, but yeah, uh, when I was young, I had a lot of health issues, which, um, now seems like, you know, a lifetime ago, but, um, yeah, it was, it was really difficult, uh, when I was pretty, uh, pretty young. Um, at one point I lost all my hearing. Um, I had a fever when I was two years old. I had a fever uh, 107 degrees. Wow. Um, and I don't remember that, but um, one time, what like probably the most significant memory I have was um, when I was about four, uh, I was at a, like a doctor's office and all my vital systems sort of shut down and they called the code blue, code blue and I ended up getting helicoptered to, um, from the office to the emergency room at, um, at uh, University of Michigan. So... Um, you know, I was pretty young, but, uh, it's definitely something, you know, I remember, but, uh, from a health standpoint, you know, I'm, I'm, I've been, uh, very strong. Um, 
when I was about six years old, we moved to North Dakota, and I think that's kind of, I don't know if it was the air or something, but uh, that kind of was when my health really started improving a lot. Um, because of my hearing, I had to go to uh, speech therapy a couple different times in my life. Um, and then uh, in addition, I have severe asthma and hypoglycemic, which um, hasn't really affected me too bad. I, I maintain it pretty well, and I, in a sense, just sort of outgrew asthma, just push myself out of it. Um, but yeah, it was uh, it was pretty real, but I, I would definitely describe it as something that doesn't affect me too much anymore. Now, did they did they find out what was what was going on or um so that's the thing, we never really got totally down to it, but um the code blue they that's they diagnosed it as hypoglycemia, um where I didn't um uh, I need to eat every two to three hours maintain a, a normal sugar level um and then uh from for the fever the 107 degrees i don't i don't think we ever really got found a cause to it um my dad suspects that other issues at the time too that the the doctor gave me too strong of a steroid um prescription and maybe that was you know so young and so little but i mean that's just my dad guessing i don't know I really don't know. Your dad's and not then, that kind of doctor. <laughs> how did this? How did this um, affect you within within elementary school? Um, I missed a good amount of school in like first and second grade. Um, but in terms of, uh, well, let's see. Let me think about this. I did. My mom did hire a tutor for me when I was in preschool and kindergarten, when we, before we had moved to North Dakota, um, to help me sort of catch up from, you know, uh, being sick and everything. Um, but uh, I think it didn't, in like in later in elementary school especially, it didn't, it didn't affect me too much. It did help, it did affect, um, asthma did affect me, but I think a lot of kids can relate to that. Um, I think from that perspective, my situation was too unique um, I think what was unique to my situation was um, just there was pretty strong episodes for a long time where um, I, I would shut down. And I yeah. you know, had the helicopter story of an ambulance. But, uh, yeah, that's – I don't think it really affected me too bad. Did it change the way you viewed others with disabilities or um, exceptionalities? I've thought about that a few times and maybe, you know, my hearing still affects me because um, mm -hmm. I, I did get my hearing back, but it's not all the way back. And I get my hearing checked every year to make sure I didn't lose more hearing. Um, and I have a hearing aid at home, but I, I've always hated using it. And I, I can get by okay without it. Uh, I found when I use it, it picks up sound that I don't want to hear. Makes yeah. it just yeah. more like I stopped using it. I went, uh, I went to like a funeral when I was in eighth grade and there was this fountain in the church. I was trying to listen to, you know, the priest or, or, um, or pastor uh, at the service. All I could hear in my ear was this damn fountain right behind me. And I just took it out. I can't go back. Yeah. But um, I think in terms of viewing people with disabilities, uh, I think I, I, you know, I was, I was just raised to not view anyone any differently. And, and if anything, just view them with more respect because they have, uh, more challenges to go through. I don't know if that experience 
change anything, but I think eh, it probably does, especially with my hearing now, because um, I always appreciate it when people are patient with me, especially when I'm in a loud place and I can't hear them um, when typically normal, normally people would. So I think I just, uh, I try to be extra patient with people because I know I always appreciate when people are. Yeah. And then from, from South, South Dakota, you moved back to Fargo or to, I'm, I'm sorry, back to Michigan. Mm-hmm. Um, North Dakota. Oh, sorry. Yes. Um, so that's a mortal sin out there. <laughs> true. True. Sorry. So, so from North Dakota, you, you, you moved back to Michigan. How was, when, when was that? And did, did anything change as you were, as, as, as you were growing up with just with your outlook in, um, sports or school or anything like that? Yeah. So, um, Fargo was living in Fargo is a great experience. It's unbelievably cold. Um, the, uh, but, uh, so we lived there for six years and then, um, we ended up, so we left the Detroit area in 07 and that was kind of the start of the housing crisis, um, the house market crash. Um, and so we couldn't sell our house. So we ended up leasing it. Um, and so we moved to, when we were in North Dakota, there was, uh, a lot of, uh, believe it or not, um, weather problems. We lived with a Creek in our backyard that flowed into the main river and, uh, the Creek flooded, uh, four out of the six years we were there. <laughs> um, we had to evacuate one time. Uh, but like every year it became like a yearly event. Um, <laughs> we had, you know, uh, hundreds of volunteers from the city and, you know, helping out and everything. Uh, and we, of course we would do it too. One time my mom stepped on a nail, um, and she had to go to the hospital, but, uh, it was crazy. Uh, and then, so long story short, uh, after the last flood, the city decided to buy out our house so they could build a, a permanent dike, um, in our backyard. Um, so they, and well, they tore down our house. There's now just a pile of dirt where it used to be. Wow. But, um, so when that happened, they gave us about five days to move out. So we quickly wow. got an apartment. And uh, we have a lot of family in the Detroit area. Or in uh, my mom is from Toledo, which is you know about an hour south. Uh, so um, uh, we were sort of, and we still own the house that we were leasing it back home in Michigan. So we were kind of debating like whether or not we we're going to stay. It was kind of my sister was going to high school at that point. And she's two years older, and I was going to the seventh grade, and um, we just decided to go back. To Michigan um I think it was probably uh you know I, I still keep in great touch with my friends from Fargo but it was probably a good decision um uh, I think living in two places or like in multiple places growing up is always a good thing for people um especially kids um just because it gives you a new perspective gets you to meet different people and I know uh um especially in a place like Fargo the people there are really unique really friendly and kind um just like really, I don't know, they're really hospitable, um, even though, you know, the weather sucks, but, uh, the, uh, in, uh, moving back to Michigan was great, um, my grandmother passed away when I was in high school, so we got to spend, uh, her last few years with her, not living too far, so that was good, um, I think from a change perspective, I think just growing up in two places really, um, really helped me out, and, just having different perspectives and seeing other people's point of views. 
So you also mentioned that you're into climate change and sustainable business in your bio. Can you mm-hmm. tell us a little bit more about what that entails and what you're doing with it? Yeah, so I hope, uh, what I hope to do in my career is, um, I don't have uh, many specifics yet, but I just hope to be part of uh, many changes when it comes to energy and energy sources. So um, and sourcing begins with the supply chain. So that's sort of what I would hope to do. Um, I don't have any specific plans yet, but I think uh, climate change is a very serious issue, especially for the younger generation and generations to come. And, uh, you know, life as we know it is, is at risk with it. And I think, you know, change has to come faster than it is. But um, I'm pretty excited about all the innovations coming. I mean, being from Detroit, all the big three are switching to fully electric cars in the next decade. I think that's super exciting. I think solar energy and wind and wind energy is becoming um, much more available. I think uh, I wish I wish it was becoming more available. Yeah. Um, from a legislation perspective, I was kind of like I was happy the infrastructure bill passed, but they took out a lot of climate change initiatives. Uh, which was a little frustrating, but mm-hmm. so I don't have too many specifics with that, but it's something I would like to contribute to with my career in the future. What kind of things personally do you do to ensure that you're doing your part for climate change? Um, I recycle and reuse really well. Um, I got a I got a couple recycling bins around the football facility, trying to get people to use it. Nice. Um, I. Uh, I've been keeping my, I keep my, uh, my thermostat around 66 degrees. Wow. Um, if I go, uh, I would go colder, but, um, I don't like it that cold. Um, <laughs> I try to go as cold. Um, but I, I try to use as, as few, little as energy as possible. Um, I try to walk places. I don't really drive much. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's, that's about the extent that I do. Um, keeping, just limiting my energy and um, my gas emissions. Yeah. That's what I can do at this are you Are you looking at, since since I know you're in, um, you're in the Kelly School of, School of Business there, um, are, you, are you looking at maybe going on the business side of, of energy, the policy side, or kind of a blend of both, or um, is, is everything kind of still up in the air? I think the pol- I think I thought about doing a policy, um, but I when the conclusion I came to is I think I can make the best impact in making um, sustainability affordable and convenient. I think that's what like people really want. Like I think I think like people want to do good for the environment in, as a general rule, but they also don't want to go too far out of the way or make their lives miserable because of it. You know, um, so I think I would probably prefer the business side. Um, I had my final interview last week for a, a metal or a, a, like a metal recycling company. Um, so hopefully that that comes into something. But um, but uh, yeah, I guess I would prefer the business side because because I, I, I know one of the one of the big things. I think it's out of the state of New New York. I just I just read it where new new housing there. Um, they they can't have gas gas stoves um, in 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 future future housing, um, and so they because they, they want people to go back to to electric. 
and now and I was I was reading that and and personally even though I understand everything about uh, about our in, in environment I'm a I'm a huge advocate but I'm like but I but I cook better with gas <laughs> you know how is this you know and so there's um, as as what as what you were you were just sharing there there is that um, I, I do believe just like you that people want to do good but they're like well I don't want to be chopping wood in order to you know um, warm my house um, and so do, have you have you heard of, of any new innovations out there that'll that that'll help us out while while at the same time um, allowing people to main, maintain how they how they live uh, from that perspective I haven't done too much research into it um, I think, I think, I think the biggest thing is accessibility yeah. and I think the more it's normalized, I think, cause I think about a decade ago, I just used the electric cars example, cause that's something I'm really interested in. I've, um, I've been interested in automotive, you know, growing up in Michigan for a while. Um, I think 10 years ago, people really were like, that's not like feasible. Like you really, like they just didn't see how that was possible. And now that's looking like reality. So I think um, just, uh, I think more research and development into it will open up accessibility and, and ease into it. But um, I don't have too many, too many thoughts that would really, you know, be life changing or anything right now at the moment. Yeah, because I'm, I'm, what I'm worried about is, because I, because my, my first thought was, well, if, if there's not going to be gas, um, there are going to be, there are people that are going to want to warm their homes. And so, and, and I'm just taking the extreme view. It's like, well, then are we going to be chopping down more trees in order to do something else? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, and that's not a, that's not a sustainable balance. Um, you know, and like little things like, um, I don't know if you, if you know us at, at edX, a lot of our students, we, we go to the Island of U- Utila, which is off the coast of Honduras. And we, We've been helping them out with their um, plastics problem because it's because it's major there. You know, a bunch of plastics are rolling up onto the on you know onto the beaches and it's a mess. Um, talking to business about trying to use you know different straws and blah blah blah. Um, you know, and so when we when we look at one one item, then there's all these you know all these others, and one of the things that. Um, I, I know a lot of youth are concerned about is our environment, and and rightly so. Are there are are there ways that you would think that that people, especially youth, could could start doing now in order to get that, um, you know, get that motor running, so to speak, just to get more more people in, in involved in our in our environment. Uh, I think. Um... Well, the first thing is, unfortunately, um, I don't want to get too political, but there's a certain uh, political movement that um, doesn't believe in it and thinks it, it isn't real. And I think I think that uh, people need to see the cause and effect of it and keep getting information out. And it's like, all right, the world is heating up. Why? CO2 emissions are blocking the sun from getting out of our atmosphere. And it's like, and what's the effect? Okay, uh, just an example. The water or ice in the Arctic is melting. How does that change? What is that going to do? Well, it's going to impact the sea level. Okay, and what happens then? Well, then our cities are going to go underwater. And people just need to see 
that cause and effect, I think. I think that's, I mean, I've gotten my, my reading, I've been reading into it, but it's been more recent. And it's because I've been seeing information and I'm like, wow, this is, this is a real problem. Um, and I think if people saw the true cause and effect, they would be willing to do more. But um, I think, uh, yeah, that, those are, that's basically my thoughts on it. One, one more thought I'll uh, throw out there is I think um, that hydrogen power is going to be more, um, it's going to become, we talked about it a lot in our sourcing classes. Um, it, it's going to become a lot more relevant in the next few years, I think. But I don't know, I don't know too much about it. But um, it seems to be like an exciting innovation going on. Oh. Great. <clears throat> so switching gears a little bit, going back to talking about football, can you tell us why, um, why football? And then a little bit about your interest in attending Indiana and walking on the football team. Yeah, for sure. Um, so uh, I grew up, I grew up a Notre Dame fan. Um, I've had a lot of, I've had over, sorry, Fred. Um, I don't really like them anymore. I'm pretty, I'm pretty neutral towards them now, but, uh, and what, what I look like, I play for Indiana. Um, but, uh, my, my, uh, my parents would take me to Notre Dame games and and they were just like, I just kind of fell in love with the whole, um, whole scene. And then, um, we had like a, a Thanksgiving turkey bowl with all, the whole family where we always played football and I just loved every second of it. Uh, when I signed up in fourth grade to play, my 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 parents didn't want me to, but uh, I convinced them. And, and my dad tells me now when my parents were talking about it, they said, "Oh, he'll get hit a few times and decide to quit." And um, I kind of backfired. Pretty <laughs> you got hit a few um, times and you wanted to hit back. Is that what happened? <laughs> yeah, I think that, that's the true story. of What went down? Mm-hmm. Um, but it's you know it's a good emotional escape. It's a, it's a way to express yourself. Um, um, it's been a great motivator to keep myself, take care of myself, stay physically fit. Um, it's a great conversation starter now in the scene too. Um, you know, when I when I interview for jobs, they don't care about my grades or my classes. The first thing they ask about is football. Uh, <laughs> well, I think so? because there's a lot more that can be said about a person um, just like sustaining a football career, like overcoming obstacles and tenacity and things like that, than like a handful of grades, because we know that there's, there are many problems with grades, but yeah, I think that's probably what interests a lot of people about, you know, talking about football. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then the other thing they talk about is, uh, my comedy career, which I've done stand up twice. Yes. And I put it on. I put it in the interest section of my resume. Love that. Um, they'll ask me about football and they ask me about comedy. So. Yeah, and 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 I definitely want to want to talk about that because it's it's not common. <laughs> but um, one of the things that you know, you and I met maybe this maybe this 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 past year, and one of the one of the comments that I that I made when you shared that you were you were a, you were a center is that they're probably one of the smartest people out there. Um, and so, and, and so can you, can you tell us, because for the, for the, for, for the normal person, when they're, you know, when, when they're watching a football game, 
what they're usually thinking is that the quarterback gets gets the call from the from the sideline. The quarterback goes into the huddle. He calls out a play, and then everybody does what they're supposed to do. Um, that's far from the case, right? Um, I mean, it's like very basic, but I mean, yeah. yeah. And so, and, and and so, tell us what what you do um, because they just think you as this big offensive line or kind of smaller offensive line who gets the ball and gives it to the quarterback and that's and that's it but tell us what what your job is you know after that after that play is called and then you're running up to the to the um to the line of scrimmage oh uh, yeah so the quarterback will give us a call and then um and then we'll communicate the protection to each other and then typically i'll call out um any alerts or like, um, or the ta- if there's an alert on the edge, we have to know about the tackle. We'll call out the alert, um, and then I watch for like which backer do we pick up if there's a blitz, um, and then if the team is known for a certain blitz, we call out like an alert for watch this, watch that, um, and then of course I gotta I gotta snap the ball with a 300 pound man trying to take my head off. Um, <laughs> And then uh, that's pretty tough. And then I gotta, and then I gotta do my job. So that's kind of, I mean, the quarterback will give us the play, and then we gotta make our adjustments. And um, that is kind of the the pre-play communication might be the hardest part because you want to get it right. And also, you have about you know maybe eight seconds at maximum. Sometimes no time, and you just gotta go with it if you're if you're really hurrying up. So. Um, so yeah, there's definitely more that goes into it besides the quarterback just telling us something. Um, so with your one of the things that you and then then yeah, I, I'm definitely going to want to want to talk about your comedy. But one of the things that I that I read in your in your bio was that you're part of Hoosier Heroes, and then you're also part of like a like a this, you're the member of the student athletic association or something like that. So, yeah, yeah, SAC, Student Athlete Advisory Committee, yeah. Yeah, so 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 tell us about your volunteer work. Yeah, for sure. Um, so uh, the student, I'll first start with SAC, the Student Athlete Advisory Committee, it's a group of, um, it's a group of student athletes, usually there's a couple of representatives from, from each team, um, and I'm one of the football reps. Um, basically, plan different events for athletes, plan different service opportunities, uh, different fun activities and keep everyone aware of what's going on. Um, we do like camps with kids, play with kids at recess, read books to the kids. And then um, uh, like uh, we do like um, uh, the giving tree every Christmas, um, just a different stuff like that. Go visit hot. Some of us will visit the hospital. Um, so what's the um, giving tree? Uh, the giving tree is just um and that's what it's called, but it's uh, it's an organization that you can um, pick. So you get you get assigned a kid to um, that, that uh, underprivileged kid, and uh, you basically buy him Christmas gifts. And he has a you know he or she has a, a wish list, and then you uh, as a, and we did it by team. So a couple of our guys we just went out and bought some some gifts for uh, for an underprivileged kid, which is always nice and. It feels rewarding and whatnot. Um, also, the offensive line, uh, as a group, we went to the a local homeless shelter um, right before fall camp started. So, 
we're pretty we're pretty active. Um, uh, we're pre we're pretty active. And then um, uh, for my yeah, who's your heroes? That's what you brought up. Um, that's a mentorship program uh, in the athletic department. We're an upperclassman um, volunteers and get paired with the underclass or a freshman from another team um, and just kind of check in on them, make sure they're good. Um, Cause you know, that's a big transition. Um, yeah. I remember my freshman year. Um, I just, you know, it was nice just having someone, someone else I knew someone else to like help break the ice in college. So um, that's what, that's what that's for. Yeah. Cause and football by itself is a community, but like you said, the transition from going from high school to college is, is a lot. And it that community can feel quite overwhelming just being, you know, such a big group. So, like, the one-on-one -on -one mentorship is is very powerful in, in keeping, um, you know, like someone in the program and someone at the school and someone playing football. Yeah, absolutely. I, no, I definitely um, – I didn't have too many uh, interactions with my mentor, but I, I definitely remember her good thoughts and she was uh she was there for me when i needed her so mm -hmm. um well, and, and and peter not to be biased you know because people know that i that i graduated from from indiana but one of the things that i that i recognized when i was there was their motto within ath athletics is it 23 sports one one team 24 sports got included sports one one team can you can you tell us about that? And, you know, because that I've, I've never heard that anywhere else. And so can you, can you talk about that? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, the athletic department's a very, um, um, well, you're talking about, you know, the football community, the whole athletic department's definitely a big community. Um, we all eat together. There's, you know, study area where we'll go study together. Um, they really, there's different activities that we do as a whole department. Um, they really do a good job of, um, of having all the athletes mingle and whatnot. And, um, and that's, that's how I met Fred. I went to the, uh, I went to Michaela's cross country meet. So, um, but, uh, it, it really is a nice community. They really do a great job and people are really supportive of each other. Um, uh, you'll see a group of athletes and they could be all from different teams and it'll, it'll just be a great time. I sit, I sit at lunch every day with, um, with a lot of my friends on the soccer team. Um, I hang out with uh, the track kids all the time. It's, it's always a great time, and they do. It, it it really is it really is cool to be surrounded by people who are similar in in attitude and, and in mindset um, with both their sport sport and most of the time with school too. Um, like uh, you know, and, and you're surrounded by you're just surrounded by greatness every day. I I eat lunch all the time with um, you know a silver medalist in the last Olympics, so it's. It's definitely, it's definitely cool, and it's a, it's a really fun experience. And and you just, you just talked about that. How do you balance academics, sports, your and and you doing your 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 volunteering? So how you know how does one able to do that? Um, um, I um, think it, yeah, and then I would say not to you know not to say it's great or anything, but but at a but at a big five. Um, college. Yeah, I think it's, uh, I think it's hard. I mean, there, like, there are some nights, well, one thing is, I, first of all, I love, like, I love, I love the grind. I love the early mornings. I love, you know, being with my teammates. 
So I think for me, it comes pretty naturally, but there have been plenty of nights where, um, like, man, like, I wish I could, you know, go out tonight or stay out a little later, but um, I know if I do, like, my practice tomorrow will be terrible or my lift, I'll put up terrible numbers or I won't make weight or something of that nature. Um, but I also think that, like, that gives me a stronger purpose um, and it's something I enjoy, but uh, I think I struggled with it a lot my freshman year. Now it's not so much of a struggle. Um, but, you know, people, I like, people sometimes will ask, like, how do you do it? I just, I just get it done. Um, I don't know it's just like the Nike slogan, like just do it. <laughs> it's a good balance. You found your stride. You're, um, yeah. you're prioritizing the things that are important to you, even even though those take a sacrifice. But yeah, yeah good absolutely. life lessons, yeah. right? <clears throat> yeah, Brad, you, you doing okay over there? Yeah, I, I'm getting over a cold. <laughs> Thanks, <laughs> Matt. <laughs> So you mentioned that you did some stand-up and um, and you have some theater experience in high school. Yeah. Did that influence your stand-up? It uh, definitely did. Um, absolutely. Uh, I love performing. Um, Talk about your theater stuff. Uh, what what did you do? Yeah, what what yeah, so, and all that? And um, what, what, what motivated you in order to get into theater? Um, and, and, and once again, I want to, I want to, say a stereotype because you probably played football in high school yeah and so not many jocks get into theater um just because of time just the time issue is so much so can you talk about that then lead into your your comic adventures yeah for sure um so uh i got into theater my a lot of my relatives did it and um my sister did it and um it, honestly, it started, so I played basketball in middle school. I, I liked playing basketball for fun, but, like, for competitively, I just, like, I liked it, but it wasn't, like, my thing. And I tried out for the basketball team freshman year, and I got cut. And I wasn't really that sad about it. So then it I was just started Michael doing Jordan, it. man. Just, Did it again? So was, so was Michael Jordan, so just saying. <laughs> yeah, the resemblance between me and Michael Jordan is absolutely uncanny. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but, uh, I got cut. So I was like, well, what am I going to do? And then my sister always wanted me to do theater. And, um, growing up, I would, I was like, mean. I would like make fun of her about it. Like, no, I'm never going to do theater, like over my dead body. Um, and then that came, I was like, well, I got nothing else to do. Um, so that's kind of how I got started in it. And then it became like a, a legitimate interest of mine. Um, I started out doing the stage crew that I helped build the sets and, Oh, cool. I'll move the sets during the show. And then my senior year, I went out for the musical and I got a cool role we did. Uh, we did West Side Story and I was one of uh, West Side Story is awesome. It's such oh, a great show. That's, that's one of my favorites. Um, did you see the movie? No, no, I, I, I want to, but I'm, I'm hesitant because I'm, I'm such a big, big fan of the, of the original. And I always wanted to be in the West Side Story, but now I can only only be like Officer Crumpy or something like that. So, <laughs> and, hey, there's nothing wrong wrong with that role either. <laughs> um, I was one of the Jets, and I was like in the Crumpy song. That that song is absolutely electric. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I was I enjoy it. Um, I just I try to see shows whenever I can. Um, uh, they I, at the IU Auditorium they get great shows. Um, yeah. 
I um I think Jersey Boy is coming. So I saw Book of Mormon my freshman year last year. Obviously with COVID, we didn't have any shows, but um. Um, and Book of Mormon's a riot. That one is. Yeah, Book of Mormon is very funny. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, but yeah, I loved. Uh, I've I've seen a good amount of shows now because I'm just really interested. I try to see whatever I can. I saw. Um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with the show Big Fish. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I've seen that one about three times, and it came here my freshman year. And, and by the end of that, no one had not a dry eye in, yeah. in the room. Yeah. Um, but yeah, when I in, it's. It's funny you ask that question because no, no one's really like compared the two. But um, you know, I'm really into music and and, and performing. When I did choir in high school, um, and then when I uh, when I, in college, I was like, wow, like I, I need to do something, something like something else, like something performative. I don't know. And I just started like, and in, in my head, like last summer, I was like thinking of different. Well, I did comedy one time. Um, so I went to an all-boys school, and right next door was the all-girls school. We did theater together, and, like, you could switch classes and whatnot. Um, and the, the all-girls school had a talent show, but the all-guys school did it. It was run by the same people who did the theater. So I just, I knew all of them. I was like, what if I did, what if I did something? They're like, what are you going to do? Sing? I'm like, no, nothing not going to sing at a talent show. What are you going to do? So, I don't know. I'll do stand-up or something. And that was the day of, and I ended up doing stand-up later what? that night. <laughs> you totally, <laughs> like, just winged it the day of? I, I wrote some I wrote a couple things okay. down. It wasn't very good. I was on a pretty tight leash because it was you know a Catholic school, so I couldn't uh. I couldn't really bust out the the crazy jokes. But um, I think it was pretty solid. All the da- the dads went up to me and loved it. Fred, you would have loved it. Dad jokes. <laughs> so they were dad jokes. Uh, it was basically like straight <laughs> dad jokes. Uh, but like I know the punchlines were pretty weak in hindsight. But uh, Fred, if you were there. I'm sure you would have loved it. Um, Malia, you probably would have thought, eh, this is okay. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know. She's, into it. She's, she's kind of a dad joke type of person. No, I maybe, can appreciate maybe, maybe dad jokes. you would have liked it, Malia, but it was like strictly, not all dads loved, liked it, but like the ones who did were like, were, it was just dads. That is so <laughs> funny. That is so funny. Um, but uh, yeah, so, and then like when I, in, you know, last, uh, it was like last summer I started thinking about it and I started telling, like I had a, I had a Rudy bit. Um, I had like an undersized, you know, uh, football thing. And then I talked about, um, when I met Fred, when I met you, I had my broken foot, um, mm-hmm. that I broke from going on a hike. Um, and I'd never broken a bone before. So I made wow. fun of it. It was all like self deprecating. Yeah. Um, but that's, that's the best kind. Yeah, know? it um, is. So, but it was a fun night. Um, all my, all my friends came, um, we actually sold out the sold out the comedy club, which was pretty cool. That is that so was, cool. Yeah. Um, so and then my next one's January twenty seventh, coming up here in eleven days. Oh, it is. Where? Yeah, we had to reschedule it a couple times now, but it, it's finally it's finally here. We locked in a date. So what what type and and I don't I don't want you to say anything that you're doing, but what what type of themes are you are you going to be talking about? Um, there's a lot of. Uh, so there's a couple specific stories, um, and then there's a there's a lot of it has to do with you know the the pain that comes along with growing up with red hair, um, <laughs> the lack of representation we have. We're all we're never the main character. We're always the foil or the bad guy, um, and typically typically we're we're either evil or we're 
rather unfortunate looking <laughs> with a strong personality. So, um, that's not true, Peter. That's not true. <laughs> I, I would say he's not wrong. I mean, <laughs> he's not wrong. Like, but that's, what do we got? The Weasleys? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Ed Sheeran. Oh. Ed Sheeran. There's your hero. <laughs> there you go. I mean, yeah, but like, I, I have an Ed Sheeran bit too. And I went as Ed Sheeran for Halloween. You could pull that off. everyone asked me if we forgot to dress up. And I thought that was like discrim- very discriminatory. <laughs> they all thought that. Oh, that's funny. Did you so dress up as Ron Weasley one year too? <clears throat> that's next year. I got it all planned out. Great. Gosh. That sounds awesome. Now, where where is this going to be taking place? So, yeah, let 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 people know. Uh, yeah, it'll be at the Comedy Attic at Fort, on 4th and Walnut in Bloomington, yeah. Indiana. Cool. Awesome. So, if you guys want to fly out from the West Coast, I don't know if it's worth it. It's probably not <laughs> worth it. But if you want to, you can. I'm not saying you can. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, now, hopefully you'll, somebody will record it or something. Yeah, I'll, I'll try to get a recording for it. Yeah, that'd be that'd be great. Oh my goodness! Um, and so, uh, um, are, are there are there are there things that you that you want to do with comedy, um, or is it is it just one of those things that you just like doing? I think I just like doing it. I mean, if something comes out of it, I mean, that'd be awesome. That'd be so cool. But um, it it's uh, like I I started writing this one for the twenty seventh. Like uh, I got to get better at writing it more efficiently. But I started writing um, for my comedy bit on the twenty seventh, or I've, that's on the twenty seventh. I started writing it right after um, I finished my first one. So um, I don't know. It takes me a while to to get up there. Like it, it's kind of it is kind of hard when you get up in front of all your friends and you have like five minutes to make them laugh. Um, and you know, some of them are pretty, are pretty harsh with you. So, um, <laughs> oh yeah. Cause they're your friends. Yeah, exactly. They're your friends. Like they're your boys. Like, uh, you know, um, but you know, they're supportive and everything. They'll give you a hard time for a little bit, but they care. Um, but, uh, it's, it's, it's hard. Like I, I wouldn't do it if I didn't think like the, if what I'm saying isn't funny, like if I can't, if I don't think it's funny, no one else is going to think it's funny. So I think it's just hard for me to uh, articulate uh, what I'm thinking in like the f- most humorous way possible. But I don't know. I don't know if I have like the talent to like go that far or the desire to like, to like, th- like, you know, really pursue it. Um, because uh, I don't know. It's just, it's hard. And like uh, you, it's, a lot of like the professional comedians, although they're hilarious, they say some things that I just, I don't know, like, you know, I'll, I'll say some funny things, but I'll just, they, a lot of them just take it to like a place where like, I typically like, won't like, you know, I try to, I try to make it, you know, apolitical. I try to make it, you know, where most people will laugh, except if I'm making fun of someone I know, I'll, you know, make it miserable for them, but funny for everyone else. (laughs) Um, but, uh, you know, and I try to, I, I try, you know, to like keep it like, you know, any humor is going to offend somebody, but I try to keep it as like obvious, like not actually like deprecating or like, um, and from that standpoint, a lot of people, a lot of the, a lot of the pros, um, and they get, in, they get in trouble for it, but I, I don't know. I just, 
Well, I don't think I'm going to pursue it. You know, you know, Peter, I went, um, I went to a comedy act, and I forgot the gentleman's name. Um, and it was actually at a, at, at a local church. And it was clean. And people they, were dying, you know. And they did I, comedy at a church. Yeah, yeah, and it was, and it was, and it was fine because because this because um, this comedian, and and if I remember his name, I'll I'll I'll, I'll let you know. It at times it was bordering on things, but he never went there. Yeah, you know, and it was, and, and I think that's one of the things where that a lot of people are looking for is. Um, you know, I remember my parents, um, they, back in the day, they, you know, went to a Red Fox show, um, and they just got up and left, and, and a lot of people did, because it was F this, F this, F this, and they were just like, you know what, I, this isn't funny, it just isn't, you know, um, and I think a lot of people are, are, are looking for humor that, that's not vulgar, um, you know, just so that then you could, you know, you could laugh and it's, and it's free. It's, it's not like, oh gosh, I wonder why he said that. Or I wonder why she said that. Um, so, yeah. so I would, I would say if this is, if this is a passion, go for it. Um, you know, and let you know, and let your audience decide that for, for you. Yeah. No, that's a good, that's a great point. I think, and to your point, people are definitely looking for that for that clean humor where everyone can relate to at a point. But I don't know. I just don't know if I have the talent to do that on a consistent, like on a consistent, you know, weekly basis. I don't know if I can I can write something new and and make it make it funny every single time. Yeah. Yeah, Jim Gaffigan is you know pretty known for his clean humor, and I think he's hilarious. Can't yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot, there's a, I mean, there is a good, a good amount. And like, not only, you know, is it tough to be clean, but it's also like, you know, you got like your clean humor, but then you got like dad jokes and then you got like potty humor, which is like, you know, the kids <laughs> will all love, but like, it just gets, it gets old really fast. Some yeah. Of it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think, uh, his, his name is Michael, Michael Jr. Um, that's the, that's a comic's name. I'll write it down, Michael Jr. Yeah. So, Peter, thinking back to your younger days, like when you were 15, <laughs> is there anything you would like to tell yourself, knowing what you know today? Um, I would definitely tell him to relax. It's not that serious, whatever you're worried about. <laughs> um, I tell him to relax, chill out. You're stressing me out. Um, <laughs> why are you like this? Um, you're fine. I don't know, just like reassuring, chill out sort of deal. Yeah. I was I was pretty uptight, especially when I was 15. I feel like a lot of people are, though. Yeah. Um, I was definitely, um, you know, I come from a, a pretty educated house where it was like, you know, you got to get into the best school. You know, you got to get good grades, blah, 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 blah. But like, I, I mean, that's most people, but I was like, I don't, for that reason, I just put pressure on myself that, mm. looking back, it's just like, why did I ever do that? Like, I, don't know. I feel like a lot of people say that to the younger self, and in six years, I'm probably going to be telling my 21-year-old self to relax, so it's not going to how it works, right? Happen. The power of hindsight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and I think that's a, you know, Peter, I think that's a really great, 
message for for a lot of our youth because a lot of our are going through a lot um you know through um you know the the senior class now they've they've gone through a couple years of un, un, uncertainty of whether or not they're they're going to be in school um and what does that mean i mean all of the you know i'm just thinking of the athletes out there that um that want to get onto the field or onto the court or onto the track just that they could prove that they could earn these you know scholarships but there's but there's no opportunity to actually do do that and so they're they are going through a lot of things and so re- relaxing may be difficult but it's a, I, I think it's a it's a really good really good message yeah that's a great point i really can't I really can't imagine like what two years of online high school would look like. Like I think, I think um, like I don't think I handled it particularly well in college. I definitely don't think I would handle it well at all in high school. Um, uh, that sounds like a. It sounds absolutely miserable, and b. It just sounds like you know um, they're robbed of social interaction when those are kind of some of your most sh- social times of your life. Um, yeah, I, I, yeah, you're absolutely right, and. Um, I, I really can't like I really can't imagine what it would be like right now. So one of the one of the things that we that, that we ask all of our guests um, is what is the one takeaway in which you would you would you would wish to share? What is your call to call to action as Peter Center for Indiana University? Um. <laughs> Um, that's a good question. I think, um, like just being able to work hard, but like being happy at the same time. And, and, um, as I think that's, you know, not that, you know, I like, am like some, you know, spectacular, like I don't, I don't really have like a spectacular accomplishment, you know, I think people would mostly say my biggest accomplishment accomplishment is probably getting on a big 10 team at my size. And I think, you know, that's in part because I didn't, I didn't listen to people, but I just kind of had my, had my head down and worked. but I also, you know, try to keep as much of a smile on my face as possible. So I think just um, being happy and being a kind person and, and working hard and not letting things get to you is what I would probably say. That's great. I love that. Well, Peter, Thanks for joining us today. Had fun talking. Thanks a lot for having me. It was a pleasure. Yeah. And thanks for all you do with, um, you know, your community service and, you know, reaching out to others and sustainable future for us. Appreciate that. So thanks. Thank you for what you guys do. I appreciate it. I appreciate you guys having me on. Mm -hmm.